Welcome to Longview Baptist Church. Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I am Pastor John. This ministry is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find an answer to the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. 13 verses 44 through 46. And uh, I know I've preached on this scripture a few times or a couple of times, I know at least maybe in the last 15 years. But as God was uh, laying on my heart this week about what he'd have me share, this verse, these two verses or three verses are profound. And I say that in the context of our culture being so consumer driven, we go after what we want. People in our society want something and they go to work for it. Whether it's a house, you know, we're not gonna wait until you save up the money, people go, and of course, sadly, what is it? I hear interest rates are near 8%. Is that right on homes? I cannot imagine a home interest rate at 8%. But I hear, you know, people going out and instead of looking at a rational, reasonable home, they go and find whatever the people at the bank tell them they can buy. But everybody goes after it. Everybody goes after it. They work hard. They work overtime. You know, the wife leaves the home from raising children to go work also. So you get a bigger home and get more cars and a bigger TV and a nicer couch and all these things you see people striving for. I think it's one of the reasons at the end of the road here, these people, uh, there's at least three of the houses for sale. I know two of them have minimum been lived in, possibly three of them. And only four months after moving in now, their for sale signs are up. I don't know the situations in there, but I'm going to tell you, when you, if you, uh, and what those are worth right there, I did the math on it yesterday, and it's $4,270 is what the payment would be if you put down $65,000 for a house at the end of the street here on a 30-year mortgage. $4,200, and it was a $70. That's with $65,000 down. That's over $1,000 a week for just the house. By the way, you haven't put one ounce of electricity, you haven't paid mortgage insurance, or not mortgage, you haven't paid insurance on the house, you have not put a car in the garage, you haven't furnished it. That is simply the payment on the house if you have an 8% mortgage for 30 years. A $650,000 house with 10% down, and that's if you can get it for 65, uh, 10% down. But people do that. They go after it. What do they do? Our culture. You want it, you go out and get it. And tonight we're going to look at a spiritual concept, though, of what we should be searching for and the passion with which we should be searching for it. Uh, the, what is it? There's a place in Arkansas, if I remember correctly, where there's diamonds. It's what do they call it? The something diamond? Anybody know? And it's called the something of diamonds. That's exactly what I was going to say. How big was it? Two or three carats. Found a diamond out there that was a two or three carat, a beautiful, beautiful rock. Now, I would say this young person that found this was looking pretty seriously and intently. I don't think you'd go to that place without hoping that you'd find one of those. And they find one every couple of years. I know a big one every couple of years. But tonight, the, the question is, what is it to you? And the question, what is it to you, is what is 
pearl of great price? What is the gift of salvation? What is the truth, the treasure of God's love? The treasure of the kingdom of heaven, what is it worth to you tonight? And it's either going to be real to you and it's going to be worth everything to you or is it just something that is kind of the addition, the icing on the cake of your life, so to speak? We'll go ahead and get in the scripture and dig into it. Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. And if you're able, physically tonight, let's stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure. Buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had and bought it. Father, thank you tonight for your word, God, for truth. Lord, we thank you tonight that you are the author of truth. You're the author of life, the author of everything that we know. God, I pray tonight you'd hide me behind the cross, Lord, so that you can speak as only you can to hearts, the deepest of needs, the struggles, the battles, the hurts. Father, may you be glorified. Pray that ones would come to know you as Lord and Savior all over the globe tonight. We ask this all in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Verse 44 again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. The first thing I want to share with you tonight is, is a question. It's how valuable is the kingdom of truth worth to you? What is what we are? What is what we believe? What is who tonight are as a follower of Christ? What does it mean to you? You often hear me reference, you know, as you're in your workplace, in your, in your neighborhood, are you sharing Christ? Are you being a lighthouse? Are you being a reflector of God's glory? And the question becomes, if it's a valuable treasure to you, the kingdom of heaven, the gift of salvation, if it matters to you, would it be something? I got a bigger question. So verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure Buried in a field. The man found, reburied it. All his joy goes and sells everything. If you tonight found a treasure, then you go and you purchase it. Are you going to tell anybody? Is it something that you are going to be excited about? You see what happens when most people win the lottery or win some big prize. You see them either standing there with a big check, with a big smile, talking about how they're not going back to work. But they share with great excitement the joy in the treasure that they have found. Why? Because they see that as something of value, of something that is worthwhile. It is a special prize, a privilege. It's a treasure to them. wonder how many people that are believers share the kingdom of heaven with passion, with joy, like the treasure that it is. Or do people even see it as that? Do you see tonight the kingdom of heaven, the truth, God's word is a treasure? Hide God's word in your heart that you might not sin against him. What is this to you? Remember this gold and this silver and all of the, the fine things of life that people seek after, you know, that heaven 
The very streets are paved in gold. It's not in any way a valuable commodity in heaven, meaning if they're paving the streets in it, this, this is not the value that humans would believe it is. And remember the gates, right? About the gate going into heaven. Anybody know about that? What it's made of? No, it's not made of pearls, right? It's made of a pearl. One singular. Can you imagine how gorgeous, how beautiful if you've ever seen even renderings or some of the ancient architecture during biblical times, I will tell you one thing. They don't know how to build things anymore. The way they built things hundreds and thousands of years ago, you know, 2,000 years ago, their architecture, 3,000 years, it was incredible architecture. The ornate, the beauty of all that was done. And when you read about the building of the temple and the wood and all of these precious gems and jewels and gold and all of this beauty that they were doing. Could you imagine the picture of what America or people in, in general would see as a treasure? You see the gift of salvation and the call of a disciple as that treasure that is the pearl of great price, this beautiful thing that God has given us and this amazing thing that's worth everything. How valuable is the kingdom of truth worth to you? And if it's not at the level that it should be, my question is, how do you react to that? What do you deal? How, how do you deal with that? I would encourage you to get on your face before the Lord and begin to pray that you're able to see the gift of salvation and the kingdom of heaven that God has blessed us with being a part of for what it is. It is a priceless treasure. It is a gift. We hear this referred to as the gift of salvation. I often refer to it as that because it is a gift. It is the free gift. Not by works, it's by grace we've been saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. In verse 45, it says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. You ever seen anybody who's hunting for pearls? Have you ever seen any in the ocean? You go overseas, you'll see that, and they go, and a lot of times at great risk to do that overseas. Uh, some very poor nations, people will literally hold their breasts and go down deep and find uh, clams, find oysters, find things that they can find uh, pearls in. And they, it, there's a lot of danger that goes along with that, but they realize the value of it and how much that will bring in for a family so it's worth the risk to them. We know about that all through history. There's very dangerous occupations that people do because there is great profit made for whoever is the person seeking that. But the question tonight is, are you seeking and searching the innumerable treasures of God's love? We know that God's love is a free gift. So when I say, are you seeking and searching, are you seeking after him with all your heart? Are you searching it, it, with everything you have for the innumerable treasure of God's love, God's purpose, God's plan, God's will for your life, not desiring to follow what you want to do or what you think you should do, but searching out the innumerable gift of God's love, his purpose, his plan, and his will for your life, not allowing all of the momentary pleasures and the external forces that are continually vying for our attention desiring to steal our affections away from the one who deserves them, which is the king, the Lord, the God, the one that is our potter. He is the king. He is God. He is everything. The uncaused cause. 
who desires our affection and he's jealous for us. And I've heard somebody uh, mockingly say, oh, God's jealous, how childish. Well, wait a minute. A creator has the desire to be jealous and and he has the right to be jealous over his creation. If you are to build a house, you build your house, and somebody comes with a bulldozer with a match and says, hey, I'm going to burn this down. Is there anybody in here that would not be jealous to protect their home? By the way, this is just a structure I'm referring to. How about let's refer to your child? How about mama bears or helicopter parents? You know what they are, right? So always swooping in to save their kids even when they're in the wrong. Because why? Oh, that's my baby. Nobody's going to touch my, you know. And people always, but think about how jealous we are to protect our kids. We, we want their affections. We want them to recognize, hey, look what I've done for you. Look how much I've provided for you. Look, look. And, and we're jealous for our kids, right? God is jealous for our affections. He deserves it. He created us. He's our author. He's our perfecter. He's our finisher. He's the one that sent his son to die for us. And after we come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, most notably, does not he deserve all the glory and honor? At that part, he then has taken our sin and bore it himself. It's not like... We're a lost person then that's going to die and pay our own sin debt. We have excused ourselves from God's presence, from God's fellowship, and from the family by our own stubborn desire to do things on our own. God has, with the gift of free will, allowed us that opportunity if you desire that. But no, God's desire is not for that. It's for us to come to saving faith in Jesus Christ and know the peace that passes all understanding It's to know the fellowship of believers and the love that God has blessed us with. The ability to love is a gift from Him. And tonight, He is jealous for us to honor and to glorify and to serve Him and put Him at the rightful place of headship over our lives. He deserves that. So are you seeking after and searching those innumerable treasures It's part of the inheritance as followers of Jesus Christ in the kingdom of heaven. Gifts God has given us under the new covenant. Do we deserve them? No. But as objects of God's mercy because of Jesus Christ's payment on our behalf, we have gone and been adopted in sonship with the Father. Grafted in, as Scripture talks about, so beautiful concept is so incredible. And then verse 46 When he found a priceless pearl, he went, sold everything he had, and bought it. And that's really, again, conceptually the picture of what is a priceless treasure worth? What would you do for it? If you could sell what you had and buy a treasure that was far greater than all your material wealth could purchase, but they were willing to take the money that you had for everything that you had, would you buy this priceless treasure? I'd say you would. Wouldn't you go after it with everything that you have? I'd say you would, but the question tonight, what is it to you? The kingdom of heaven to you? Is it a concept in the mind that you just don't understand and therefore you show up at church checking the boxes, 
Well, I go to men's breakfast or I go to women's Bible study and I sit in a pew and I've helped and I do this and I do that and, you know, check, check, and I've tried to help people, check. Is that what it is to you or is your life as a follower of Jesus Christ? It's not a lifestyle. It's a life. Are you tonight have been crucified with Christ? You no longer live, but Christ lives in you. Is that you? Then that means that you have sold everything to gain everything. Sold everything you had in this life, which by the way is fleeting, which is all passing away, to gain a treasure that is never going to, moth and rust will not destroy, where thieves will not break in and steal Last question I have for you tonight is this. How much is the truth of God's word and plan worth to you? What is the truth of God's word and his plan worth to you tonight? See, it's worth everything. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Of course, you know that's not a Bible verse, what Jim Elliott said shortly before being killed by the Aka Indians, but what a profound statement. What does it profit if a man, go to a scripture verse, if he gained the whole world, yet lose his soul? You remember that parable of the man that, remember the barns? He wanted to build bigger barns. He had stuff, right? He, he just he had all this stuff. So he goes and says, you know what? I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm going to store up more things. He said, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. This is what I know. There's people in our facility that I would have not in any way thought would have been gone. Last week, I'd have said there'll be years that departed this life last week. There are others that I wouldn't have given you 10 cents to last more than a couple of weeks that are still at this very moment alive. There's one thing that we do not know, and that is God's purpose and plan. How many people that I've seen over and over and over again, it's like one of those movies, it's resurrection from the dead. You'll see them and they're literally on a deathbed. How many people have you seen in life? I can't even count the number of times that I've seen it in life. You know, they're, they're right on their deathbed and the family's been called in and they are just literally, they're down for the count. And all of a sudden they have this resurrection moment and they come back to life and they live sometimes months. I've even seen this happen where they live years. Sometimes they go through this process every couple of months. Doesn't make sense to me, but who am I? I'm not God, and I know God has a purpose and a plan, and what I assure even people who are terminal is, your days have been ordained before the foundations of the world, and you're not leaving here until God is ready for you. That's the beautiful thing about God's purpose and plan, but my question to you right now is, what? the truth of God's word, and what is God's plan worth to you? Is it worth everything? Or again, is it this app you treat as an app on a phone that you swipe up every once in a while, check it out, then swipe on to the next thing? Or is your walk with Christ the actual phone? Meaning, is it everything? Not to cheapen the gift of grace and the picture of what it means to be a believer, but being a follower of Christ is not an app. It's not a lucky rabbit's foot. It's not something you start hollering for, oh, God, help me, when things are going bad. God doesn't need that. God doesn't want that. He wants 100% sold at what is his jealous God, and he deserves our praise, the glory, the honor, and a sold-out life, 
of indentured servitude to him for those who come to faith in Christ. He gave his son's very life, spilled out his lifeblood for us, paying a price that he didn't owe. Jesus did not owe us sin debt. We did. We are the objects of his mercy. He was the object of our suffering. And tonight, what is the truth of God's word? What is the truth of his plan worth to you? To me, it's worth everything. As I've said here over and over, and I said to somebody just a day or two ago, I have nothing to go back to. Nothing. I remember what it was like when I was lost. I don't want anything to do with the life that I lived before I became a follower of Jesus Christ. Nothing. That is a life of emptiness, a life of loneliness, of life of indentured servitude, whether you realize it or not. Indentured servitude to the enemy as an object of God's wrath. How often I think back to those days, not even realizing that I was in complete bondage, but thought I was free. Now I look back and see true freedom as a follower of Jesus Christ, and I'm able to see the real bondage that I was in before becoming a follower of Christ. Your question tonight becomes, what is it worth to you? What, what is the precious hidden treasure, the priceless pearl? It is wisdom, it's truth, it's godliness, it's holiness, it's righteousness. It's all that God has called us and all that he commands us to be. It is giving up this life, giving up the desires of our wants, our wills, it's us saying, hey, I want to go do this and I want to go do that. No, God, what's your desire for my life? Lord, what do you want? Lord, I won't move. We talked about this morning. God, I won't move until you open that door. God, not what I want. Lord, you know my heart. You know what I want, Father, but what do you want? What step do you want me to take? What move do you want me to make, God? And Lord, don't let me move a foot before you have divinely orchestrated everything in accordance with your purpose, your plan, your will, because God, if I try to get in the middle of this thing, I will mess it up exponentially with multipliers. God, but I know that your plans, your ways, your thoughts, perfect. God, everything about what you do, what you called us to, and your purposes are flawless. Your timing is impeccable. Everything about God, what you have called me to be, what you've called us to, is absolutely perfect. Tonight, the, le the question as I close is, what is it to you? What is the kingdom to you? And how do you go forward tonight? Do you see it for what it is? I, I hope you do. And I hope tonight you're able to rejoice in this, this message and this challenge to you and these questions, saying, yes, I see that for the, for the absolute treasure that the kingdom is. And I rejoice in it and I praise God for this. And I'm so thankful to be a part of it. And I wake up every morning with overwhelming euphoria, blown away the, with the fact that God loves me, that God sent Jesus to die for me. And I wake up every day with the mindset of God, how can I greater glorify you in my life, my family, my workplace? God, thank you that you open those doors and that I don't have to walk by sight, that I can walk by faith and I can walk through those doors knowing it's exactly what you want me to do 
Or are you that person that wakes up in the morning and you're blindsided by your own ambitions and it's a continual battle within yourself because you haven't yielded yourself fully to the kingdom, whether it's that you don't see it as the treasure it is or whether you're a person that battles some generational things of control that maybe parents had, mom, dad's side, grandparents had, and you're sitting there battling every day and half your day spent in this cataclysmic battle with self, fighting out the desires of flesh, trying to, as a, as a, as a big, huge battle on TV you'll watch, and it's, it's this battle between good and evil, and I want to challenge you, if that's you, I would in, encourage you to get on your face before God and begin to pray that God would break that part of you. The reason I say that is complete lordship can't happen if you continue that battle. The only way that lordship can, can happen is if God helps crucify that part of your nature. And when I say, ask God about it, because Scripture says, ask and it shall be given to you, seek and you shall find, knock and the door will be opened. And if that part of your life is hindering your ability to have full, transparent fellowship with God and allow Him lordship over your life, then that's hindering your ability to walk in the fullness of Christ. But we know that if you pray that prayer and say, God, break this part of my being right now that is at war with yielding myself to you, you're praying in accordance with God's will. Amen? So we know that God will answer it. That's how we always know when God will answer prayer is that we're praying in accordance with his will. And tonight, if you start doing that, start praying. Maybe, maybe your finances, we spoke about this morning, your finances haven't been given over to the Lordship of Christ. And maybe that uh, you're not submitting to the authorities in your life. Uh, it doesn't matter, whatever the case may be. I'm, I'm speaking about all this universally because God will open up what it is that you're battling with in your life if you are. But I would encourage you tonight, what is it to you? Does it matter that much to you? And as we see tonight in the analogy with these treasures, it matters to me. I hope it matters to you. And if you are maybe recognizing tonight, I see it for the treasure it is, but I'm, the enemies started to paint, in a sense, hubcaps that look like they're gold in my life, and I'm trying to chase after these foolish things instead of the real treasure. Again, get on your face tonight, especially tonight on nights like this, at the beginning, the end of one week into the first next week, we have time to reflect. Reflect on where you really want to be and where you're coming from. God is so gracious, he's so merciful, and 1 John 1, 9 is so applicable. We confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we've been chasing selfish ambitions, we have been chasing something that is not divinely designed for believers to be chasing. Amen? We know that God's will and desire for his children is to yield fully to his desires, plan, purpose, and will. And tonight, as you lay in bed, and if you see that and recognize it, confess it for the sin it is. Speak to the Lord in true transparency and say, God, I don't know what to do right now. I don't know what step to take. Father, begin to show me each step that I need to take to repair these, these battles that I'm battling in my own self, my own desires, wills, wants. And Father, let my heart have joy for what gives you joy, and God, break my heart for what breaks your heart. Because if you begin to chase after selfish ambitions, after prayers like that, the Holy Spirit will convict you and show you when you are outside of God's design and will. Let's close. Father, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God's word has encouraged you. You feel like you've had fellowship and been at home with family. Today, if God has moved in your heart, and today you would like to make him not only the Savior, but the Lord of your life. First, it's important to know that we are sinners. We're born sinners. No one can bridge the gap 
that was separated when sin broke what God had created so beautifully. But today, you know you're a sinner in need of a savior, and you know that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross to pay for your sin. Today, if you want to, you can trust him as your Lord and Savior. It requires you to pray and in faith, ask him to save you, to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, and you wanna live for him. I pray today, if you do that, that you will reach out to us. We would love to get you connected in a church body, a church home, wherever that might be, and get discipleship around you so you can grow in this new life that you found in Christ. Read God's word. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless you.